Hello everyone and welcome back to the second episode of A to Z. My name's Amanda. And my name is Zhao. And we have been discussing about all kinds of things this week. And as we reflect on the year just passed, we kind of wanted to talk about something a little bit more specific. So I'll let Zhao introduce it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I guess because we're educators in the middle of a pandemic, we thought it would be really interesting to discuss some of the issues surrounding how the pandemic has affected education and access to education. Because both Amanda and I believe that education should be a right for students and for anyone living anywhere in any country. So we really wanted to explore this topic and talk about how we want to navigate the pandemic, maybe even in a more developed country like Canada, because as much as most people have access to education, the pandemic has really changed the way that we now learn and how educators teach students. So we thought it would be really interesting to dive a bit deeper into that and discuss thoughts that we have surrounding that. Yeah. So I find myself as an educator always thinking about access to education and appropriate access, you know, and, and all across the world, because I've not only just taught in, in Canada, but I've, I've been able to go to Jordan to teach there and just seeing the lack of it kind of tugs at my heart a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it's it is important and, I, and we, we need to talk about it a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, my, one of my questions to just anyone is why? Why is it so important to have a right to education in the first place? Yeah, I guess it's important to talk about what education means to the both of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I can, I could start and share about like what education really means to me and like Mm -hmm. how it's impacted me for my whole life. Yeah. Initially coming to Canada, going into the system of education here, um, it was really a place like a home away from home almost. So um, it was a place where I got to see my friends and get curious and, you know, play sports and have different experiences that I wouldn't have at home so education to me is not just the good grades and making sure that you have a job at the end to me it's it's all about the experience the socializing getting yourself acquainted with what what the world means and and what it what it has to offer us in general so yeah I think education especially um if you come from dysfunctional homes or what you know like places that that are not good for you um, to be. I think school is a really great place to be for that. But is that even all that is to education? So, I, you know, is it just a school? Like, I, I don't, I, I think there, mm. it goes so much more beyond um, a school building or, or the system we have here. And, and I've experienced a lot of differences in education systems. So, yeah, I don't know. what Like, what's your thought? What, do you, what does education mean to you? Yeah, I think... Because I grew up as an immigrant, and I'm sure you've had similar experiences, I feel like education was oftentimes a means for mobility. So it was how we could maybe um, receive an education and kind of get a job afterwards. It was for me or for my parents, and how it was ingrained in me as a child was that you get good grades so they can go to a good school, so you can get a good job, and then you can earn a decent salary, right? So I think that was often the narrative surrounding education that I've had a lot told to me as a child and I think as I've grown older I've recognized a lot of the aspects about education and how it is a place to socialize right education is only well education is more about just getting grades and giving a job and giving education 
it's also about teaching values of society towards kids, right? Mm -hmm. You place them in an environment where they interact with their peers in a more professional setting. It's not like they're at a playground. There's certain rules, but they're also taught how to interact. And maybe that socializing aspect of schools, I found it really hard to replicate now that we are in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. And oftentimes we go to a more online system, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's still very possible to teach kids online, but I'm not sure that you still get the same socializing aspect of being in a physical school. I feel like the kids oftentimes need that kind of physical contact and to understand how to interact in those kind of environments as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to add on, like, I think a lack of that, a lack of an environment where you can be exposed to different personalities, different people, um, different backgrounds. I think it's such a disservice to growth, you know, and the children. Like, I think a place where you can go like school kind of keeps kids off the street. That's what I kind of look at it as, especially when I was teaching in Jordan. It was like, all right, let's put a pencil in their hand before ISIS puts a gun in their hand. You know what I mean? So a lot of it just to me, I'm I, I'm so passionate about access to education because it's not just access to education. It's access to a better life for, for yourself, a better mind, a better heart. And yeah, I think um, But then again, there's also another facet to it where I was at work the other day and I looked around and I was like, is this too much socializing for them? Like, is it wrong to put them in? in desks like 20 students and have them compare themselves to each other all the time and and have this like rat race of like I want to get the best grades I want to impress my teacher I want to impress my friends like and there's a lot of bullying that happens as well because it's like are they supposed to be exposed to this much you know difference at at the young age and I don't know that was just something I thought about I was like what kind of systems are the best right now especially in our society and our generation um yeah I don't know yeah, that's a really good point. Like, as much as I appreciate school, I have a lot of qualms <laughs> and I have some bones to pick yeah. with the education system. And I think oftentimes as educators with the insight that we have, we understand how it's oftentimes bur- like buried into bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And it is true that kids are put under unrealistic expectations sometimes to be in a more competitive environment. Mm-hmm. Or oftentimes I think we get the tunnel vision that maybe like school is like the end all be all right like sometimes if you have a terrible high school experience you feel like when you were in that place Mm -hmm. like you feel like that's it like i'm gonna be alone and miserable forever Mm. when you come out into maybe an environment outside of school you realize that there's so much more outside of school right as much as i value education i also think that schools could teach some things that are a bit more practical for the kids as well mm-hmm. yeah another question i've always kind of pondered on is how do we give everybody an equal sense of education an equal right because like you said some kids will get to high school and hate their lives because they're not enjoying their time as much as the the popular kid you know what i mean so that really stunts their growth or that stunts their um risk-taking skills you know i know so many people who have doubted themselves and hated themselves because they didn't succeed in the system so it's like what you know how do we ensure that everyone gets the um, the same amount of opportunity and privilege to enjoy their school experience enough to grow in a healthy way you know and and so even just then like how do we grant everybody access to education in general so 
That's so true. Something I've come to realize is that sometimes you just can't cater to everyone. Mm. Like I have classes where certain students might have um, special needs or sometimes they might have additional problems in their own home life. And I just recognize now that as much as I want to cater towards their experience, there's like maybe 20 or 30 other students who also need to learn. And oftentimes you can't just individualize what you're teaching or your content to that one kid right mm. and that's where like maybe special aid or special help or like special ed educators come in mm -hmm. but unfortunately many schools don't have that kind of resource right mm. my school doesn't um and then if we talk about like underdeveloped countries who might like even lack even more resources then how do you cater to those people right yeah it seems like such a hard thing to do so yeah i'm i'm glad that we have recognized that and so that that's like the first step to success really like if you you have a vision and you have a mission then you want to work on it you want to help other people in the same in the same way you're going to help your own people like for example if i i want my students to succeed i'm going to spend more time with them i'm going to make sure that they feel loved in my classroom they feel like this the subject is not actually so daunting when they just you know focus in my class for a second and but yeah i think the access to education is is very difficult but not impossible so the fact that even we're having this conversation like we know that there's a problem and there's a solution there's bound to be a solution to a problem so yeah as much as we worry about the access to education i guess we're in a very privileged position in Canada especially to know that most of the students most of the kids are getting at least some sort of access to education like countrywide but right. with the pandemic going on and a lot of schools going online how do you think that access or accessibility has changed for a lot of the students now mm -hmm. I think what blows my mind sometimes I think about it and I'm like wow like a lot of well-off kids like kids that have money um are able to just get privately tutored or homeschooled right now and, and avoid all the mess that is in, in our schools right now so it's it's very interesting um it's yeah you see during the pandemic that like online school um does have its disadvantages as well because there's some kids also who didn't have you know laptops and and things like that that they couldn't meet the same expectations as other students mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think when we talk about access it surrounds like how do we have a system that's adaptable and that can change with the different times especially during a time like the pandemic mm -hmm. so that is certainly a really difficult question to answer i think we can talk about how we ensure resiliency in the education system during times like the pandemic so oh i love that mm -hmm. word like, who do you think the responsibility falls on for teaching students? Is it the government, the parents, the teachers, the public? How do we ensure that we can remain resilient and like and provide adequate access for our students right now? Mm -hmm. That is a very loaded question because I find that a lot of educators right now are struggling to be resilient. You know, it's like, how do I make my students stronger when I'm falling apart you know so I think that's that's a good um sort of segue into like what is going on right now with teachers that are burnt out and you know they're still expected to function as normal and even like the stress on students like I, I just don't think that 
this year should even be real quote unquote like almost because how do we expect how do you want me to fill out an evaluation for somebody when it's it's an like wild world right now like I can't even blame them for not doing their job right or I can't blame my students for not giving me work on time or whatever I know my my uh, friend um teaches like for practicum and his students are never able to um sort of you know meet, meet his expectations but it's like it's not on him and it's not on them like it's it's a weird time and, and so to be resilient I think is to be honest with ourselves first to accept that things are not normal mm -hmm. um, and this should not be a new normal to just continue burning yourself out adapting in order to meet everybody's needs like let's all just you know actually take it take it in and like relax and and see things that you know have hope still for the future but be still right now and realize it's it's okay to not be fully okay in the education system <laughs> yeah that's a really good point i think we should have a lot more empathy for students mm -hmm. right now honestly sometimes as much as educators are burnt out i'm surprised that the students can still like maintain yes. like their level of focus and attention when i feel like they're burning out as well mm -hmm. i said this to somebody the other day i was like i'm just so proud of like the students I work with that are staying present at a time where it's so easy to either be anxious about the past or anxious about the future. Like they're just, they're showing up and it's like, even there's just that is inspiring to me. Like they're just trying their best and like, that's all you can ask for. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, get it all emotional. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it's definitely a different time right now. Yeah. But I think it's also good to, admit that there's a lot of frustrations going on with both educators parents just the public in general mm -hmm, and government. how we deal with that right so i guess in terms of responsibility how do we deal with educators and other people in the system who are burning out during the pandemic and how do you think we should go about it hmm. i feel like i am not in a place where my voice is going to be heard to be honest, like I, I think that as much as we can cry out, even teachers, like um, principals, whoever it is, there's just it's almost like governments just know that teachers are going to do whatever they can for their students. So they're like, it's OK, like, let's just keep pushing them, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's just very unfair. And I don't really know, to be honest, how to make my voice more clear in, in, in order to get more grace and more support for educators that's such a good point i think there's this pervasive narrative that because teachers love their students so much they will do anything for mm. them and it doesn't matter what and they will like go to like the high heavens and like the mm. low hells to do what whatever they need for their students yeah and because of that narrative i think that the government exploits how educators can be treated a bit more poorly mm. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I, I think it's not a new problem. It's always been around. Like, you know, teachers are always falling ill to the systems that are, are being put in place by, by people who haven't even really experienced being in the system. So it's like ridiculous to me that we can't, you know, let go down to other level and say, okay, actually, these changes need to be made. This much, um, you know, time needs to be explored uh, needs to be committed to explore the changes and whatever like it, it's very disheartening to, to find that um even the biggest voices are not being listened to mm -hmm. you know it's like what's what's it gonna take 
to, to change, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like we're screaming to avoid and the other person is just completely tone deaf and that person is the government and they're not doing their job exactly to hear the voices that people have to say, right? Yeah. And they're not receptive to the feedback. And I get it. Governments are also under stress. People have families. People have their own issues. Understandable. But when it's a whole system causing a lot of mental health issues on everyone involved, like, hello, wake up. Like, let's let's do something about it. Like, it's not. Yeah. So I don't have an answer to how we can fix it, to be honest, because we've tried already with the, our voices and, and everything. And hopefully this even garners a little bit more um, solidarity. But yeah, that's all I have. Yeah, I, th- I think there's not really a good answer right now because the situation is constantly changing with the pandemic mm. and it's constantly just evolving. We don't really know what the government response is and they oftentimes have con- conflicting views on certain things and I'm not even sure if the government as like a body agrees itself, right? right? Because mm. they're not monolithic and I'm sure everyone has their differing views. Mm-hmm. Even like province to province, Quebec is a very different province compared to Alberta, compared to Ontario, compared to every yeah. other province as well. So it's it's a really hard time for everyone. And mm-hmm. I my heart goes out to everyone, but mm-hmm. also a lot of solidarity for teachers right now. Do you think that um, it's different for educators that live in rural neighborhoods versus urban Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And I was wondering the same question for you as well, because you've taught in our area a lot longer and we live in a more rural area. So our population's much smaller. I feel like there's a greater sense of community. So there is like both positives and negatives to being in a rural area. I think that one of the th- aspects that I find really important about schools is that outside of education they provide really good extracurricular activities for the students to engage in like you have your clubs and i tried to start mine but it failed because of pandemic but (laughs) (laughs) it really be like that it's okay yeah um there's greater support because people recognize when you might meet be in need of help and more people are willing to reach out towards students and just everybody in the community when you're in a rural area. But at the same time, I understand that there's a lack of access to a lot of things, right? So if a student is really interested about the arts or something, then they might want to enter a competition and that might only be available at like a bigger city, right? Mm-hmm. Even currently right now, I think a really good example is that my school is so small that every student in my high school follows the same schedule. So that way, even though some students might be more advanced in English and some of the other students might be less advanced in English, they're all put into the same class. And there's not much we can do to change that because we can't have two separate classes because there's so few students. Whereas in a larger school, you might be able to put some of the students who are less advanced into one class. And then you could have like an advanced program for students who are better at English. And that way you can cater more towards their needs. So as much as there is a small community, our size also limits what we can cater to each student right now. Yeah, that's fair. I actually had a conversation with a a couple of people in a community the other day where um, I realized that Quebec schools, they are very different from each other. You know, there is no, they're all all like mostly public. um, And so, and, and a lot of them, 
maybe like in comparison to Ontario, money goes from the government to both the Catholic and, you know, public systems and then private schools have their own thing. But um, yeah, I think in Quebec, it's like all the same, but yet so different too, because depending on the area you're in, depending on the, the people that are supporting that area as well, like, or the people that are, you know, um, devoting their time, like parents or whoever, it does make a difference with what access there is to different engagements or extracurricular things. So, um, yeah, my school might have this, but another school doesn't have anything. And then the next school beside it has like everything that you could use to help students explore their talents and, and their, you know, to help them grow. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's very different. And I can't imagine if I can't imagine how much more fast paced it is in the cities. Um, and how much more expectation there is on on teachers and and students. Yeah, I find that here I'm I'm very lucky to be here. Like I think it is a good time to be faced with a pandemic in a rural area. Like there's still a lot of support for st- our students. Um, I I find that maybe the internet issue might be a thing. Like if you know, because sometimes I even lose like internet on my phone because we're like in the middle of nowhere. But um, otherwise, like I I really. I do think that it it might be harder in the urban environments. I taught in Toronto. I spent time in in multiple different types of schools. So it's definitely going to be different in a pandemic, depending on where you live um, and what people, the people you have around you. That's true. I've never taught in a more urban environment, but I have taken like my high school and where I lived used to be in like larger cities. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that my high school is pretty fast-paced and we had IB programs and I could just imagine my students being in an IB program and trying to navigate that online Uh I just can't imagine it would be absolutely crazy yeah from schooling uh, one of the topics I want to also ask you is what aspects do you think that schools provide outside of the education and how does the pandemic impact us right now so we're talking about clubs and extracurriculars do you feel like oh. we are able to provide those kind of opportunities once we go online? You know, it actually like broke my heart this year to see how my students couldn't do their track and field stuff. Like I knew which students were, you know, super excited about it. And I knew that the last day of school last year for them was a ski trip that was promised and it didn't happen. And that was their last day. And it's like we're trying to, you know, provide them those opportunities. But it is so hard like you have to think about the the bubble and like the different things that go along with that and yeah I think it's so unfortunate that they can't get involved in the things that they love at school because it's not just about your math textbook and your science and your French like it's it's about having fun too and and conflict resolution within those groups that you're part of or the things that you're active with so it is very disheartening to see that a lot of the stuff that they they loved about school is absolutely just like stripped away from them and i guess on the topic of access how do you feel like students who belong to marginalized communities are facing maybe mm. additional challenges that other people might not face and how do you think we should deal with that as educators i think i can imagine it's probably even worse when you don't have those opportunities that that usually should be around if you're from those communities um i i've never like been able to as much as I want to um kind of explore that area of education like privilege and all that like I I I think obviously we've we've seen it and we've we know about it but I don't I I haven't actively been able to provide and and I'm hoping this 
what we're going to do with, you know, either our podcast or um, teaching, I, I hope that can actually be a catalyst for, for making sure underprivileged communities get that, get access to everything else that we have. And so, yeah, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm wondering what you feel about it. It's hard to have exact stance on certain things, especially because the government has promised certain things would be enacted. So I know that with going online, a lot of students don't have access to computers, right? Rather, either because of financial difficulties or because of other additional factors in their life. And I think the government, the Quebec government specifically, promised that every student would have a laptop and would be provided by the government by the start of the school year. And when we went online, what we realized is that most of the students didn't have this. Mm. And that required us buying additional computers and having limited access. So even though they might have been part of the marginalized community, it could just be a simple thing as access to a laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that a lot of teachers spend out of pocket for to meet the needs of their students that are underprivileged. You know, even at the start of the pandemic, like when I you know, we realized that they're going to be all home alone i knew i knew specific kids that would probably appreciate support so you know you do that out of your own heart but not everyone's gonna do that and like you can't continue to do that forever like you're gonna Mm -hmm. be depleted yourself so it's like we need more like more support on the on the like on the higher levels of of people who have more power more control more um, resources ultimately so yeah, I think you need to have conversations with your with your students, with the parents, the communities you're serving first to understand their needs. And then you maybe step back and let them speak or, you know, provide them platforms where they can share their stories because they're important. They're just as important as any other student. Like, and it's the fact that we're not meeting them where they're at. That's on us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even like when, you know, when I was in Jordan teaching there, it was like, yeah, I can do this for a summer. Who else is going to help, though, like for the rest of the yeah. time there? Like, you know, you can't you can't uh, sort of stretch yourself too thin because you also have your family, your life, your everything. And, and so it's very, very frustrating when you, you don't see those needs being met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really way, good way to put it is that a lot of teachers are being stretched really thin. And it's a really good example from just like a really simple example is that a lot of teachers do speak spend on their students out of pocket Mm -hmm. whether that is like providing extra materials like pencils or papers or providing craft materials as well i feel like resources that students can use just to have fun right because i feel like it's really hard not even just with the school system but to ask the principal if there's a budget where i can just get something and oftentimes the answer is no so i would go out of my way to like buy certain things Mm -hmm. or like buy certain prizes it's like if we're gonna play a game like sometimes i want to give prizes to students right Right. and the government's like why would you want to do this (laughs) but if you want to make education fun like it's good to make it interactive and make it so that it's more than just about learning from the text right yeah but i think at a certain point you kind of stretch yourself thin and Mm -hmm. i think you said a really good point too is like how do we continue to provide for our students while educators right now feel like they're being stretched thin yeah i love that yeah it's yeah you put it really well um I, I think there's a lot that needs to be done and even like just letting us know what resources we have like 
because yeah we can do our research but it's like if it's not even coming from your own circle like we need we need to know what's available to us so that we can go into those resources and and use them before it's like oh well nobody used them so you know mm-hmm. they're you don't need them but it's like i didn't even know about them like you know and it's 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 oftentimes everyone's responsibility to know what is available to you in mm. order to yeah yeah one of our mutual friends brought up like a really good resource which was that apparently each school in quebec actually has services for educators or their employees in the system and there's one for mental health so if you're ever in need of therapy or you're seeking other services because you might be burnt out or stretched too thin then they can provide those things for you oh, yes and like oh my gosh, like we need to know about those resources before the burnout takes place. Like we need to be proactive, you know, we need to be able to reach out and, and know that those services are there. Yeah. Exactly. Prevention before you have reactionary measures yeah. in place, right? Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. Yeah. I mean, we could get into mental health, no problem. Exactly. I'd love to talk about that, but. I guess, um, what are some of the ways in which you have been coping with the stress of mm-hmm. covid and teaching in a pandemic what are some of the tips that you have used or some of the resources that you have used currently well, that's such a good question i'm so glad you asked that that's yeah that's awesome um i think i've definitely had to implement different um methods of taking care of myself this year that i hadn't before like i literally do yoga now like four times a week and it's like i actually look forward to it to know that it's going to keep me alive like it's little things that I'm doing now that that take up a lot of a lot out of my mind, you know, and so because we can't carry it all like it's it's yeah, um, I am so blessed to have just like my family, friends, um, you know, special people in my life that can can really support <laughs> support me. Um, yeah, because being a teacher is not a one man show like you cannot do it without the people around you like even my students encourage me my students challenge me and like and and they help me take care of myself you know because they remind me too like if i'm not taking care of myself i have no right to be telling you to take care of yourself like um and it just yeah i think we need to be more aware of like our own situation our own state of being before um trying to make a difference anywhere really so yeah, those good coping mechanisms. I pray, you know, I read my Bible. I have like little chats with friends about like our struggles. I love when Zhao and I do yoga with our no- another mutual friend um, virtually. Like just every Monday we're like, hey, we're, you know, we're going to chat about our day and do some yoga. And that gets me off on the right foot for the rest of the week. So yeah, and taking breaks, going to the bathroom during the day is huge. Like I think I've really implemented a good self-care system now that like <laughs> I need to trust that will work. Uh, but yeah, what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point of understanding that you need a life outside of your work. For me, I feel like this is one of the few jobs where I feel like the line is blurred so much between my own personal life and my work life oftentimes if my work day doesn't go well it kind of travels with you back home you Mm -hmm. think about how you failed your kids you failed your students and how you could have done such a better job and you think of all those other things it's like it kind of takes up a lot of mental space and i think right now i've realized that i need to separate them a little bit more Mm -hmm. understand that there is a life outside of my work and as much as I might feel like I'm failing my students, then I can come back with a more positive mindset the next day and come back and 
have a better attitude so that I can teach them better. And it's sometimes better just to put down your work because if you feel uninspired now, you're not going to feel more inspired by simply looking at your work even more. Mm, that's such a good point. Taking time away, spending time, whether it's virtual or socially distanced with people in your life, your friends, finding a community. Yeah. I think that has really kept me grounded. And that's one of the privileges of living in somewhere that is a bit smaller and a bit more rural is that it's much easier to find a sense of community, um, right. at least compared to my experiences living in a more urban environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that point you made about like being so influenced by your students and how, how the day went. It's like, I think teachers have a different job that other people do not really experience like all the emotions in the room and you know the the fact that you're thinking about your students after you leave as well like you know if you have clients maybe you think about them while you're with them and then it's lunchtime or it's dinner time but for us it's like oh my gosh I really hope blank blank person like has the support they need at home or like you know I really hope they didn't have such a bad day that they're gonna cry themselves to sleep like it like it, it does take a toll on you so to have those outlets even counseling like it is such a good time to be seeing a counselor like wow and and just do that before you even get to the point where you can't hold yourself up on your own two feet like so yeah i really love those points you made oh and another point i wanted to add was the fact that you can feel really helped when you help someone else too so i think helping out somebody else checking up on a friend like being the person that can support somebody else in their time of need makes you kind of forget that you know you're not the center of the world like you know you can you can actually support everybody um and we can all get through it together as well so yeah if you're feeling down help someone else in the moment Mm -hmm. and i think like taking time for yourself right don't put the onus of the world and the burden of the world onto yourself Mm. sometimes it's okay to take some time off and just tell people that you need time off as well yes so you're finding a balance you're finding like you know i i'm gonna help this person today but tomorrow i need to promise myself that i'm gonna actually go out and get i don't know a treat for myself or like you know love yourself talk to yourself the way you talk to a friend so Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, I guess that ends our segment on education and the system in general surrounding the pandemic. And if you have any comments or thoughts, please leave them on our website. We'd love to hear some of your thoughts and just have a conversation surrounding the discourse and how you feel. And if you have any other perspectives that you would love to add, we'd love to hear your feedback as well. We'll see you next time. From A to Z. Bye. Hey, it's Amanda chiming in for your word of the day. Today, it is pervasive. And according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, it means that it is the spreading widely throughout an area or a group of people. And it's important to us because like Zhao said, the pervasive narrative that is being given to everybody is that teachers will go to ultimate lengths for their students. And it is a a narrative that is far and wide.